Welcome to Tough Cookie Talks. I'm your host, Jenna Josephowski, but you can call me Jenna J. I'm a semi-retired professional dancer, dance teacher and yoga teacher, turned certified personal trainer and kettlebell instructor who helps active women learn to lift and get strong with equal parts challenge and compassion. After years of working in the fitness industry, I got sick and tired of watching people, including myself, run themselves into the ground trying to uphold the narrow-minded image of what our culture sees as healthy and fit. But instead of giving it all up, I decided that I'd rather change the game, call out the BS, extract the good, and help others learn to use movement as a way to build themselves up rather than tear themselves down. On this podcast, we'll explore the intersection of fitness and anti-diet culture and all the gray areas in between. We'll let go of shoulds and judgment and dig into tough conversations with curiosity. Things get pretty spicy around here. So grab your headphones and let's do this. Hey friends, welcome to Tough Cookie Talks. This week's podcast episode is going to be my second client interview that I've ever done. And it came about because of a conversation that I was having with my client, Jess, near the end of a Tough Love Strength Club group coaching call. On this call, we were talking about a lot of different things, but mostly this idea that a lot of us, I guess, sort of get this feeling as we get older, that we're suddenly too old to do certain things. Like if your body hurts when you do a certain exercise or just moving about the world, we chalk it up to like, oh, well, I'm just getting old and this is what happens. And I have been marinating on this theory for a while that much of the reason that we quote unquote feel old might actually not be so much due to our age, but rather due to the sort of borderline abusive ways that we train and the shit that we put our bodies through when we're trying to work out with diet culture as a motivator. So anyway, Jess and I got into this conversation kind of off the record, and she had some really great things to bring to the table. So good, in fact, that I was like, hey, Jess, do you want to come talk on my podcast about this? And she graciously graciously agreed. So anyway, without further ado, let's get into this conversation with my client, Jess. Hey, Jess, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jenna. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you about this. I just feel like this, this conversation today is a very half-baked idea that I've been thinking about for a while. And I know based on some of our conversations that we've had off the record, that you have a lot of good things to add to it. So let's just get right into it. I have this very half-baked theory that I've been marinating on for a while, that training from a place of like a diet culture mindset is making us feel old. And I put old in air quotes in the way where people use that in such a negative sense where it's like, oh, I feel so old. And then they explain all the ways why their body feels awful and blame it on the fact that they're old. But the idea that I have is that, of course, you're going to feel like you're too old to be doing certain things, particularly in a fitness space, if you've been beating yourself into the ground for years. And I think a lot of us do that, um, 
with fitness, when we're doing it from a place of diet culture, especially if you're somebody who's been accustomed to overtraining and not eating enough to support that training and kind of having an all or nothing mindset around it, I have to imagine that that might wreck your body in a way that is worse than just typical aging mate. So anyway, that is my half-baked idea. What are your thoughts on hearing people say things like, I can't do X, Y, Z anymore because I'm old now. I'm this age now. What do you think about that? So I definitely think it exists and it certainly exists more for women than it does for men, right? Like we're never going to have a conversation with a man where we're like, oh, well, I'm too old to do whatever. Um, and, you know, but for women, this is like also decades of programming, I think too, though, right? That you mm-hmm. have this life progression and a lot of that life progression involves stopping. Like mm. you have to stop doing things at a certain age because- you're a woman and you're fragile. And when you get old and fragile, like, you know, these things happen, even though none of that is true. So I definitely think that that has a lot to do with where we're at now with some fitness things. And I know for me, um, it wasn't so much like the overtraining, although I did go through that, like just completely finding the wrong kinds of fitness for myself for years, because, it wasn't what my body needed, but society was pushing me that way. You know, um, being an eighties kid and growing up with diet culture, being the culture, like it was everything. It was everywhere. You know, you grew up on all of the whatever or size videos and slim fast. And, you know, just this really from early childhood, like unhealthy body images and body expectation being the norm. Yeah. When you feel like, you know, so when you can't do something simply because you're not good at it, you start to get that sense of failure. And then you start second guessing yourself and second guessing your body. And, you know, as we age, I think that's a big part of it is less, um, maybe being told that we're too old to do this, but because we don't have the information and we don't have the support as our bodies age that we don't, you know, we're just could be that we're just doing the wrong thing, but instead it's like, Oh, well, this hurts or I'm bad at it. So I'm going to stop because I'm just too old for this. Right. Right. And that makes me think of, I'm going to use squats, for example, because I hear this so commonly from people like, Oh, squats hurt my knees. And so I can't do squats anymore. I'm too old to do squats. But I think the way that we think of certain exercises, like a squat, for example, that it has to be like completely asked to the grass and that it has to be you know, like it has to look like a textbook and you have to have a certain kind of weight with it, be that like a barbell or even just like heavy dumbbells or a kettlebell or whatever. We have this one vision of what it's supposed to look like. And what many people fail to realize is that there's so many different variations on something like a squat, for example, that number one, we can and should, I hate to use the word should, um, but like you know, can do different variations of that, that don't hurt your knees so much and also progress towards doing that other variation. If that's something that you care to do, does that make sense? You know, it does. And I think that that's the other thing, especially, you know, if we're talking about, you know, aging and fitness and women getting older and fitness now, you know, at 48, I'm not old. And I know that and I have a really long time in this body left. Um, 
and I feel healthy and I feel good. But honestly, if we're using squats at the example, I've never been good at squats. I've had pain doing squats my entire life. Mm. And it wasn't until I started working with you that, you know, making real efforts to like focus on modifications for the way that my body was made Mm -hmm. that I haven't had the pain because I now know that, oh, well, you know, there isn't that textbook, which I think a lot of us get into in fitness, especially, you know, if you look at the, the, from eighties to now, you know, there was one way to do it. And there was one kind of exercise and in each sort of program, you did it this way, or you, you know, asking for a modification was a sign of failure. Yeah. And recommending a modification was something that, you know, a lot of trainers just wouldn't do, or they do it under duress, or they just sort of throw their hands up and say, well, do something else that works for you. Well, I don't know what works for me. Like I've, I've never done this before. So I think that the, the pain and ability component as you get older also makes you want to stop because there's lots of information out there that says, you can do it. You know, everything you read about staying healthy and fit into your eighties and whatever, but it doesn't talk about any of the real life circumstances about how your body is built, what your hormones are doing at this particular time in your life. Um, you know, how's your sleep, what's your family situation? Like all those things that add up to your ability that make you, you know, as you get older, make you feel like you can't do it because you're old and then you are inclined to stop. Right. And two things there. First of all, I don't think I ever heard you say that you haven't been having that pain with squats since working with me. And that just makes my little trainer heart so happy. I have to tell you that. And I guess like looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. Like Jess hasn't complained about squats in a really long time, but also, um, that's, that just makes me so happy to hear that. So yay. And that's entirely on me because it stopped hurting me. And I was like, okay, I can do this. And I'm not going to whine about this anymore. Moving on. Um, but no, that's so like, great though. Thank you. and that's a great thing about your program is you take time. Yeah. And it's the taking time to like, listen. And that's something um, that for our particular training group is so beneficial to me. And I'm sure many of the other members is that we just, you know, having the ability to talk to you and, you know, get that maybe not one-on-one time, but group time with you and, you know, the feedback from our, um, form checks and having you really hear us, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, in the body that I am in now, when I say, Hey, I can't do this right now because of reasons. Like I've never been made to feel bad about it. I've never been made to feel like, oh, well, you know, maybe your body just can't do this anymore. Let's do this instead. You know, you actively work to find the modification for us. And that is something that in order, you know, cause we're going to stay, you know, younger and younger and younger as we get older. I think mm-hmm. every generation is going to start to experience this. And this is more of what we need is support for where we're at now with the understanding that, maybe modifications are more necessary and it's not a sign of failure. And it's definitely not a sign that you need to quit. Mm -mm. In fact, I often tend to use the word variation instead of modification, because to me, when I think of a modification, I think of like, like there is one squat and everything else is like a lesser version of the squat. And I just love seeing it as like all these different ways that you can do it because there really are so many different ways that aren't you know, inherently better or worse, just better or worse for this person or that person or this goal or that goal. Um, 
But what I'm curious about is what's been your experience with training at various, like various ages and stages of life, I guess. And obviously, you know, it's so interesting. You um, talk about being in your forties and not being old by any means. And I think that depending on like what you do and what sorts of communities you're in and just like where you're at in life, I think there are different ages, especially as a woman where you start to become invisible and where you start to feel like you can't do certain things. And I even, to be honest, started to put that on myself. Like as I got into my late twenties and early thirties as a dancer, because there's always been this garbage myth, I think in the dance world, especially that like, Oh, like once you're 30, like your career's over. And I just think now about what garbage that is and how much, I guess, maybe more dancing life I had left in me than I thought I did because of what had been told to me. But anyway, that's a tangent. Um, (laughs) What's been your experience training at um, different ages and stages of your life? Well, you know, it's been interesting because I was an athlete when I was in, you know, elementary, middle and high school, I swam. Okay. So, you know, I had a lot of like training just built into my everyday because, you know, as a competitive swimmer, you train every day, you swim every day. Yeah. Um, then I went on from that, you know, just because I was art to being, you know, I'm a really active person. Mm-hmm. So just being active for a long time and having a job that was sort of physically demanding, I didn't need like the regular sort of workout lifestyle, I guess, you know, I didn't need to go to the gym. I didn't need to do those things. I didn't need to seek out an exercise class. Mm -hmm. So I really didn't start doing any of that until I was probably in my late twenties or early thirties. Okay. And even then I was just out of my depth, not because I wasn't capable, but because I didn't know what I was looking for. And everywhere you asked, you know, you you ask a hundred people, you get a hundred different answers. Oh, well try Pilates. Oh, well try, you know, these high intensity workouts. Oh, well try CrossFit, you know, and none of those things. Well, I enjoyed Pilates, but that was because it was more like yoga, you know, like try mm-hmm. yoga. Well, yoga didn't work for me because I have trouble being quieting my brain. So yoga mm-hmm. is really frustrating because yeah. in all those quiet moments, I'm like having 7,000 other thoughts. And then mm-hmm. suddenly I'm not paying attention to the instructions and I have no idea where we are. Um, so, but a lot of the, what I didn't know about myself is that like a lot of the heavy cardio, just for me, mm-hmm. my body's not built for that. So I, I struggle and I fail with anything that's like super cardio based. And it wasn't until, um, you know, so I just spent a lot of time like starting a program or starting working at a gym. And then I even tried going to the gym on my own a few times throughout my life, you know, thirties ish. And every time it would end up in failure because it didn't have any resources. Like I didn't have anybody to really talk to. Um, and you could pay for a trainer at the gym, right. But they work for the gym. They don't work for you. Right. Um, So you're getting what they're selling, not what's best for you. And, um, it wasn't until I met the trainer that I met in my forties for kettlebells that I finally like got a handle on what my body needed Mm. and what my body was most comfortable with. Cause I didn't start strength training, like any sort of weightlifting until I was in my forties. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So I had, um, you know, done it mostly, um, 
it was a super stressful time in my life and I needed a stress release. And I had somehow, I don't even remember how it happened. I found this trainer. She did small groups. It was primarily women. It was a very, very safe space. Mm-hmm. And, um, what I really needed for my mental health was to throw a kettlebell around. Like that was what I needed. And yes, that's, it that's was, how I feel on so many occasions. People do not understand until they do it. The release that you get from throwing a kettlebell around. And, you know, the thing I noticed about myself and I thought it was like, oh, okay, this is another reason that I'm not meant to work out that I'm too old for this was that I would start having problems with like coordination and balance and fatigue and different weird things and more put it on myself as me not being capable, not realizing that there were other things happening in my body because I was entering perimenopause, which is Mm -hmm. something that nobody talks about in relationship to training. Yeah. Um, because it's, you know, it's a little bit like going through puberty with the added benefit of being possessed by a demon. Um, because sometimes, sometimes yeah, wait. you are super clumsy. Sometimes you have the spatial reasoning of a whiskerless cat. Sometimes you are just so tired and it is like a tired I have never felt in my life. So, you know, mm. you're not strong that day. And it has nothing to do with your capacity. It's just where your body is at. And I wish that for women in fitness, especially as more of us get to where I am. And I know I, and I'm not the only person here that more conversations were had about how you do this with the changes that are happening in your body, because this is entirely out of your control. Mm -hmm. And because everybody is so different. um, I think that's, what's going to make the difference for long-term success is being a woman and training and staying fit and healthy and being able to lift in our case is also accounting for these issues right? because nobody talks about it because nobody talked about it, especially like my parents' generation. Mm -mm. This is stuff we're all just kind of figuring out on our own. And only thanks to the internet and the collective hive mind, do we all get together in sort of like this digital woods and we're like, oh God, you're going through that too my God, that's happening to me. Oh, wow. Like suddenly you find all these people that are having the same experience, but independent of each other and feeling really alone, but together in that. Yes. And you know, when you talk about like, especially people of our parents' generation, I can't, I can't help but think to myself, number one, that the experience largely gets to be dictated by what you want to be able to do in your life. And I think that's something that's sorely missed. And I was thinking about this because I was talking to my mother-in-law the other day about how she doesn't like to take my son JJ to the park because she doesn't like, she like, she doesn't like to climb up and down the stairs. She feels like she's too old to climb up and down the stairs. And I'm thinking to myself because she's a person who is very physically active, who, you know, goes to the, goes to the health club. Um, that's what, that's what her and my uh, father-in-law call it, but, um, you know, goes there very often, but I can't help but notice this lack of knowledge that I'm like, you know, if you want to be able to make those stairs easier, I can help you with that. But of course, the people in our actual lives don't let us 
help them. It's infuriating. (laughs) I understand that, but no, I think you're right. And I think not only does it have to do with like what you were talking about early, which is earlier, which was, um, becoming invisible as a woman. And this happened to me definitely not in fitness because of the choices that I've made since then, but certainly like in my life, like in a previous career, you know, your career, if you were a female was pretty much over when you were 40, like that was it. That was the death knell because you were too old for anything at that point. And sometimes (sighs) earlier than that. Um, so, you know, and then, um, you know, being a woman who got divorced and then, you know, like facing, you know, these crazy conversations that I would have with people like facing your forties as a single person. I'm like, well, I, been fine so far. Like I haven't experienced any sort of like real spinsterhood episodes yet. You um, know what? Maybe- people like <laughs> people who narrate other people's experiences infuriate me sometimes because whether it's like this experience of getting older or being single in your forties, or I think about this a lot, even with like being pregnant, I got this a lot. People like, Oh, well just like, just wait till you have kids just wait till you're pregnant. Just wait till he comes out. Like people like to put this universal experience on things that are maybe not necessarily true for every single person and maybe don't have to be true. If we don't, or I guess if we do stop and pause and question them. Absolutely. And I think that that's something that in fitness, especially women's fitness has to be reconciled too is like for your mother-in-law, they, they go to the gym. Mm-hmm. What are they being, what is she being told there? You know, where is she being directed? Is it to the more, you know, a, and I'm going to use air quotes here, age appropriate activities, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm super lucky to have some people in my life who are in their seventies and I can only hope to be half as fit and active and strong as they are, Mm -hmm. but that's because they made choices to stay that way. And they sought out how to keep that happening for themselves. And most people either won't do that or don't know how to do that because it's not like, it's not advertised, right? Because if it's not in front of you, you're not going to see it. If you're not intrinsically motivated to go and do it. Right. If we're not actively seeking it out and we don't have a person that we know, be it in our life or, you know, on the internet or whatever, giving us an alternative narrative, it's really easy to get stuck into this idea of like, oh, well, I'm this age now and this is what people like me do. And so all that's left for me is like water aerobics, for example. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you like, but I wish people knew that there were more choices. Exactly. And, you know, it was kind of, you know, and it was thanks to, for me, for the internet, like being on this fitness journey for myself, for my physical health, because, you know, I want to be able to take care of myself when I'm old and, you know, be able to be active in the people that I love. The boy that came out terrible. Let's try that again. Um, <laughs> in the lives of the people that I love um, that, you know, I started looking around because even though I liked my training, um, when it was in person, when we went online, it didn't work for me as well mm-hmm. um, because it didn't translate to me very well in the space that I had or the time that I had. Sure. Um, so I started, you know, looking, I personally started looking at other training programs and it took a really, what felt like a long time, even though it wasn't to find you. And I found you very roundaboutly through like, you know, lift with Holly and Aaron. And mm-hmm. then I think, 
think I was following Damali Frazier before. And I found you through those two resources. And then as I was stalking you on the internet for a while, um, I was like, oh, okay, she makes me laugh. And, you know, she says fuck a lot. And uh, (laughs) I like how she thinks about things and the world and being fit and, you know, um, just being in this place that we're at now. So, but it took effort. Yeah. And I think in order to change the narrative around women and aging and fitness, like the effort has to be made to meet us where we're at. Yeah. And so that's definitely lacking. What do you wish that more personal trainers and strength coaches knew about helping people to make training, strength training specifically more sustainable, I guess, over the long term of your life? So I think that the the things for me that were most effective were ask questions, like Mm. more than just the, what are your injuries? What are your limitations questionnaire? But like really get to know that person. What is their time? Like, what is their life? Like, what are their, like outside of the gym or the training program? What, how, what are you as a whole person? Like, Uh you know, the things that they, you do in this program so well, um, you know, how was your sleep? Did you eat enough for a grown ass woman today? (laughs) You know, things like that, that it matters. It matters. And most trainers, you know, you get them for that 30 minutes to an hour while you're in front of them and they are not accessible to you for the rest of the things that actually make fitness fit into your life. Right. And, you know, and so that is what I wish would change is that I think that a lot of people, not just women, um, would pay for that little bit of extra service without it being like crushingly expensive. And I think that that's the other thing is that, you know, it's a really, um, it's a real financial commitment. Yeah. If you chose to take on a personal trainer and, um, you know, when I made that choice and I continue to make that choice, you know, I make it, you know, I have to, I make it consciously. It's something I have to really think about because it's, you know, um, everything is so much more expensive these days too. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, all every dollar matters. And so a lot of coaching that I encountered that I didn't take, I knew right away that they weren't interested in where I was at as a whole person. Yeah. They just wanted another person on their books so that they, you know, were able to, you know, keep their schedules full. And I understand, and that works for a lot of people. And this is not me saying anything bad about that, but it definitely doesn't work for everybody. And if you don't feel welcome and if you don't feel seen, I think, especially as a woman, you're going to stop going and you're going to stop doing it. Especially if you're not supported when you're struggling. And, um, because of the invisibility issues that you suffer, especially as you get older, if you aren't in that safe space, you're not going to speak up. You're not going to say, Hey, this is hard for me right now because you don't want to hear, you know, that you just have to toughen up and get through it because sometimes that's the answer, but sometimes that's also not the answer. Right. Sometimes you already are like trying as hard as you fucking can. And maybe that's I'm about to blow my own mind here as I say this, but like, maybe that's what got you into this place in the first place, which brings me back, I guess, full circle to where I was going with this from the beginning. Um, and the all or nothing mindset, I think about, actually, I just used this example the other day when I was um, talking to a physical therapist that I'm working with about what my experience was like training while pregnant and why I think a lot of people don't do it. And I think 
this, it's the same reason that a lot of people think they're too old to do things is because it becomes very all or nothing. And, you know, nothing against something like orange theory, for example. Um, but I think about a lot of people I know who are maybe doing something like going to orange theory five days a week. And then maybe they don't know what else to do besides that. So they keep doing that, even though they have like a trick hamstring and a, you know, Achilles that acts up when they do all the treadmill sprints, um, calling myself out here because that was totally a past version of me back in the day. But you're like, okay, well, I don't know how else to do this. So I guess I won't, or you do it and do it and do it. And then you wind up in a place of being like, you know, chronically injured, or you never really heal from the past things that you did to yourself when you were maybe overdoing it. And all that push through, push through, push through over the years is now what got you into this place where you want to tell your trainer, Hey, this really hurts my hamstring. And they're like, suck it up. And you're like, I have been, this is why we're here. Well, and it's true. I mean, I definitely went through that with all of the entirely wrong for me, cardio aerobic based um, programs that I tried because that's where I should be at that point in my life. You know, the, and I, you know, I'm, you know, like I have friends who love their um, jazzercise. That's great. I totally down for that, but that kind of exercise to me just doesn't work. I get winded. Uh-huh. Then I just feel like a failure and then I'm just not doing it anymore. And yeah. you know, there's no room to speak up in a place like that. And so I think it's also something um, as we age to be able to understand that, you know, we are going to have some limitations because maybe, you know, as bodies change. And I think that this is something that, again, you know, women aren't people, so we don't get the support that we need Uh in medicine or anywhere. So there isn't, you know, there's no differentiation in training methodologies for men and women. You know, if you're, if you're, if you look up, you know, for, except for the super, you know, stereotypical sexist ones that are like, well, you shouldn't lift anything heavier than 10 pounds. Well, then how do you like, go to the grocery store right, um, right, or, you know, pick up your kid. Um, but except, except for that, like there's no differences, you know, or, you know, if you are experienced, you know, if you're a woman between these age ranges, you know, these are the things to look out for because, you know, perimenopause and menopause are real conditions. Like they really are physically hard on your body. You're going through some significant shifts in, you know, how your hormones are and that affects your strength and that affects your sleep and it affects everything. It and also so affects train differently. Sorry, I totally interrupted you. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. Um, but you know, because I think I've, you know, I've read here and there about, you know, how like the effects of, you know, weightlifting, And that, you know, testosterone, you know, keeping your testosterone levels up, especially as a woman who's starting to enter menopause is helpful. And like, you Mm -hmm. know, you want to keep your bones strong. You want to keep your muscles strong, but you've got to deal with all the other things that are happening that are entirely outside of your control. So it doesn't matter how tough you are, like this is not up to you. Right. And, you know, I, I think a lot about the unfortunate thing that I see happening with 
a lot of women is that as your hormones start to change, then even like your body shape will start to change a little bit. Like, and this is even irregardless of irregardless. Is that a word? This is regardless of, you know, whether the number on the scale actually changes. Sometimes things like shift around in the way that your weight is distributed when your hormones change as you get older. And I see a lot of women getting really frustrated that it's like, oh, I never, you know, I never used to have a belly and now I have a belly and like, what's up with this? And they think that it's some kind of like personal moral, moral failing on their end. And so then what do they do, but go do more cardio, but that might be the opposites of what they need in that moment. And they may also need to realize that like these shifts are kind of normal, you know? And absolutely. I think too, like, cause I go, am actively going through that. Like it, my weight hasn't changed. I'm sort of at a, at a, my, my body. And I think all of our bodies do this and we just don't listen to them well enough. Like your body's going to find an equilibrium mm-hmm. and, you know, unless you're trying to lose weight for major health reasons, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle, whether or not you're going through, um, you know, any sort of, you know, hormonal changes. But I know for me, like, you know, the, the shift to belly weight, because I've always been, I've never been thin unless I've like starved myself, Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, Oh, what are, you know, calorie restrictions. I did that for a while. That was stupid. (laughs) Um, and, um, so that was the only way I was able to maintain like this, you know, any sort of like what I would consider like a thin person body, hmm. but you know, um, now, you know, and something that I've discovered partially in working with you and, you know, doing a lot of my own work on this and reading some great books about it too, is that I just plainly, and I'm still, I'm still really struggling with this. I don't eat enough food. Mm. Like, I don't eat enough food for my body to take care of itself and be fit because it's thinks it's always starving. Oh, and this makes me think about, you know, my sister's been sending me these memes like, or not memes. Sorry. They're not even memes. They're like, like TikToks um, with this girl who imitates, um, who imitates basically like people of our mom's generation and what they're like. And it was always, I don't know if these were the women that raised you growing up, but it's very much like, oh, I'm not hungry. I just had a sugar-free jello for lunch. I'll just have half a sandwich, like all of these, all of these things. I can just remember sometimes looking at my mom, I'm like, how are you not hungry? Like it's, it's something that's very much been, uh, I think, I think not only ingrained in us, but um, I don't know. I'm sure there are other things that play into that. What do you think plays into it for you personally? Well, I think it's a couple of things again, um, you know, the, you know, the time that I was born and, you know, diet culture being the culture, you know, I didn't have that in my house necessarily, or really Mm -hmm. at all. Like that's my, my parents didn't act like that. My mom didn't act like that. Like we ate food when we were hungry, we Mm -hmm. had healthy choices. Sometimes we didn't have healthy choices, but there was never any shame around food. Sure. There was never any of that. There was no fad dieting in the house or anything, but experiences through my friends and their parents and how they were being raised. And, Uh you know, so I think I didn't really start suffering that until I was in college and, you know, 
dating and then, you know, um, married where it was like, oh, are you sure you want to eat that? Uh, Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure you want to eat that? Um, and you know, so that's where those unhealthy patterns kind of got set up for me. So then I was like, well, no, no, I, I mean, yes, I do really very much want to eat that, but I also don't want to hear about it. So I'm, I'm just not going to, Yeah. um, you know, so getting out of that environment for me was huge because then I was able to like, you know, take the power, especially around food for myself back. And, um, but I think that's still why I struggle to eat enough is that I think that's well, I know that that's still in my head somewhere because I love to cook and I love to feed other people, but I mm-hmm. could care less if I actually ate it. Um, well, there's probably like a like, skewed idea in your mind about what an appropriate amount of food is. And I can't help but think to myself, it's like, are you too old to do that? Or do you just like, do you just need to eat a carb? Well, it's some of that, but also like for me, it's the proteins. Like I don't mm-hmm. eat enough protein during the day. That is such a protein chore for is me. so hard. I feel you there. And when I know, you know, like how much you're supposed to eat every day for, you know, for your fitness level and your age and everything else, like, Oh, like that is work. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I never have trouble finding my way to a carb. I love carbs. Um, yeah, that's good. my favorite I, food group. Um, I love carbs too, but No, it's just more of like the, you know, it's just, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. And it probably is like that ingrained sort of like food shame, not just from the culture, not my household culture, Mm -hmm. my parents at all, but just like the culture that I was raised in. And then, you know, the culture that you see all around you. So you sort of like play that out in your mind really subconsciously all the time. Yeah. Like I think about food of the eighties and nineties and snacks and like, do you remember the special K diet? Oh, yeah. I remember all of the diets. I remember I, the crazy um, fitness kits you could get for like preteen girls that came with the leotard and the weights and the whole. Oh my God, like, I had those in the 80s. Poster. Get in shape, oh. girl. Yes, that one. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me right now? The fact that any of us have healthy body images is a full blown miracle. Let's be fair. Oh my God. It's 100% true. But I just, I can't help but think about back then. And even like the food, the special case, like you just eat a bar and then you eat a bowl of cereal and then you eat another bowl of cereal, but the serving size was so small. And I can just remember feeling so like deficient as a human because I was hungrier than the half a cup of cereal that I was supposed to have. And I thought that was a me problem, but it's like, no bitch. Like this is why you're too tired to make it through your dance class. You're not too old in your thirties. You just need to eat some food. Damn. Oh, a hundred percent. And you know, when I really took ownership of the fact that I had to do this for myself and on the days when I can do it successfully and I feed myself enough, Mm -hmm. it's a night and day difference. And, you know, it's another part of like healthy aging too, is that that needs to be more of a focus when you start to train is that I wish that more people who were in the fitness space, especially for women would take that into account that in order to have a successful program, it has to be a whole person program. I mean, it should be for every age, but in order to be successful as we get older, I think that's more important because we don't know what we don't know. Right. 
And, you know, doctors aren't going to tell you, well, like this vasculitis that I went through this summer, Uh that was so frustrating because I was injured. I was, I pretty seriously, as it turned out, but I didn't know. And I got patted on the head over it. And, um, then once everything got figured out, they were like, well, you know, just, just wait till it heals. And then you can work out again. Well, when is that going to be, Oh, you know, it depends. Every person is different. Why did it happen? Well, we don't really know, but it starts to happen, you know, for these kind of people and women near in their fifties is one of those age groups. Uh Well, is it going to happen again? Oh, we don't know. (laughs) Thanks friends. Thanks. So, um, exactly. Just like, so your solution is just compression socks forever. Got it. Um, and I, and I think that's what makes people stop exercising and feeling old is because all you get told, especially as you get older is do what you can, but it's with that sort of such a dismissive attitude, Mm -hmm. not here's what you can do. It's do what you can. Like, right. If I don't know what that is, then I'm not going to do it. And I'm right. a pretty motivated to take care of myself things person. So someone who isn't, but still wants to be healthy, that should be the information that's getting out there is for them. Yeah. And when I think about, when I think about training and just thinking about like, I guess coming back to the personal trainer thing and what an investment that really is. Number one, I don't think that a lot of people realize that fitness is not necessarily something that we should all be DIYing. And also, and this is one of the reasons that I've structured a lot of my programs in the way that I have. Sometimes it feels like if you actually hire a one-on-one personal trainer, it feels like a service that is only meant for rich housewives. Like if you look at the cost, like take the average cost of a personal trainer and multiply that per hour by three days a week. If you're using that trainer, every single time you work out, that's like a freaking mortgage. It's, it is not cheap. And I know that, and I'm not saying that it's not something that is worth it if you have the budget for that. But that's one of the reasons that I try to bring in, you know, the group stuff and the community and give people who do work with me one-on-one the capability to kind of like taper off and, you know, have the tools to do that on their own because it's, it's not something that there's nearly enough support around and it's not accessible, like beyond, you know, even being physically accessible financially, it's also not a very financially accessible service. And I recognize that wholeheartedly. And I agree with that, but I think also the framing of it, and you, you did nail it. It's that it's like, you know, having a personal trainer is a, you know, it's a rich housewives activity. Yeah. This came up for me more than once. Um, not in my current job, but definitely in my last job, you know, where we talk about it. And then one of my colleagues be like, oh, well, I don't have money for that. And it's like, well, I wouldn't necessarily say that I have money for it either, but I'm prioritizing it because it is my physical and mental health priority to, you know, learn how to do these things for me to stay healthy for me long-term. You know what, Jess? That makes me think about, um, 
the conversation that we had in the discord group the other day about doing dumber shit with larger amounts of money. And I even forget what the context was about it. I think it was about paying for an app or something. It was, it was about, it was about me like agonizing over $7 and 99 cents is what that was. Um, <laughs> sometimes, I- sometimes we think to ourselves that, and, and this is not the case for everybody. We think to ourselves like, oh, that's too expensive when you look at the price tag. But then you think about all the other places in your life where you just like make it rain on small shits that you maybe don't value that just like adds up like random things from the dollar bin at Target that you don't really need. But it's just like, oh, well, it's only, you know, it's only $5. And then it just keeps adding up. And before you know it, you wonder where your money went. And you're right. It's, it's intentional, not exactly like, you know, the whole point of this conversation, but I do think that there's, there's something to that, what you said. Yeah. And I think that more of it, as far as like getting people to, um, continue to embrace fitness as they age and not sit down is because that's like, that's the whole messaging, right? That's just something that how many of our parents, friends, or grandparents or great grandparents, like when they got to that age, were like, have a seat, like mm-hmm. you're retired now, here's your recliner, or, you know, we're off to retirement camp where we get a golf cart to go everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think in the personal training industry, for sure. And even in the fitness industry at large, like gyms and stuff, it would be really nice to see more of the encouragement for clients who are not 20 and naturally like genetically gifted to be Mm -hmm. fit, but you know, that have the potential because we all have the potential, you know, to be any sort of competitive weightlifter or anything, but the potential to stay strong. Because I think that when I started weightlifting, the biggest thing I learned about myself is that I didn't trust myself enough. Mm. And there's so many left life lessons, so many life lessons that you can learn through lifting weights. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, you know, really just that overall, like needing to trust yourself more to go ahead and make the decision. And a lot of women, especially because we are programmed by society or the people in our lives to not to always second guess ourselves. Right. Yeah. Always about every single thing the weightlifting especially has such a stigma on it, not as much as it did before, but it still exists, you know, Mm -hmm. that, you know, women who lift are going to be, you know, all the ridiculous things, bulky or not feminine or not attractive and, you know, all of it's bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but just the, all the things you learn about yourself when you learn to weightlift and all of the things you never trusted your body to do that you yeah. can do pretty easily in the right environment, not and without that, effort, but easily once you do it correctly and you take the time to be patient with yourself. Right. Which is so freaking hard to be patient with yourself. But you know, when you were talking about like the cardio stuff that you found challenging, same is true for me. Like I am not good at any kind of endurance based cardio. I am good at, you know, small, quick bursts of badassery, I guess, but with time and patience, like 
if I cared and, you know, maybe someday I'll decide that I want to care more about that and have the patience to train in such a way I could, we could, you know, get better at those things that we feel like we're less good at. And also at the end of the day, you get to decide what strong looks like for you and you get to decide what fit looks like for you in the context of your life. But the beautiful thing about building that self-trust is that you take that in the weight room and then, you know, when you're like out in the yard, for example, I'm looking into my yard right now, as we speak at like the bag of mulch, okay, like I lifted this much in the gym the other day. So I know I can get that bag. No problem. Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, I think that that's just, you know, something, I don't know what the solution is for that to like help people sort of change perceptions. But I think as like my generation of women and younger, just being more independent, being more, um, definitely like, you know, watching my daughter, cause she's a, you know, she's, she's younger. She is, um, uh, you know, they're so independent and, um, you know, just that, that gives me a lot of hope that this conversation that we're having here is how to make this better is that by the time that we get through struggling with this for them, it's going to be like a second nature thing. Like, why wouldn't I lift weights until I'm 70 or or whatever? Like, why are we even having, this was a conversation. Like, I think that's what I want this conversation to be about is that someday this should not even be a conversation. It shouldn't be a conversation right now. I love that. And I love that for your daughter. I was going to ask you what you hope is different for your daughter, but it sounds to me like you've nailed it. Is there anything else you wanted to add to that? No, I mean, you know, they're, um, well, I mean, in, you know, the giant dumpster fire right now, I hope that, you know, she gets some of her rights back. Um, but uh, I think that would be my, my big hope for, you know, for her is, you know, to be more of a, like, you know, just considered a whole human being. Um, yeah. Um, and so that for me is my hope for her, but I, do I worry about her? No, she's, you know, amazing and capable and can take on the world. So that, yeah. and a lot of, you know, the, the Gen Z kids are the same way. They're very, yeah. very, they're, know, so. they're very strong. Um, yeah. but there are, um, just so many other things we could talk about around this aging and female and fitness thing that just, you know, this conversation would be great to have with more people. Yeah. If anybody else wants to come on and share like a different, a different experience, especially, at, at a different age or stage of life, like hit me up, let me know. I'm, I'm super interested in having this conversation in all kinds of ways, because I just, I can't help, but think that it's not, it's not because you're getting old. It's because we've been doing this wrong. hundred percent. And that's the, I mean, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? It's how do we get it right? So that yeah. everyone feels supported in a fitness space in their own bodies for their lifetime. Yeah. I think, you know, I don't, I don't know that I have all the answers to that, but I do know that the answers to your point earlier are often found through being curious and for, or, and through, and through asking questions, starting those conversations. Absolutely. Absolutely.
So I'll give you one last question to tie this up with a nice little bow. What do you hope movement and strength will look like for you when you're in your eighties? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I just, I hope it continues to be part of like my everyday productivity. I hope I'm still living, you know, independently. I hope I'm still strong enough to take care of myself and my home and that I'm still able to work out however many days a week that that suits me. And, um, that, you know, it's just, you know, part of my continued healthy aging, you know, I definitely know there'll probably be some modifications there, but overall just, you know, knowing that I've done the work now to take care of myself, my future self, like that's my goal. That's why I work out is to take care of my future self. Yes. I love that. I love that. So So good. good. Anything else that we missed, anything else that we didn't touch on or anything else that you want to just shout from the rooftops? Not that I can think of. I mean, you know, this program has been so life-changing for me in a lot of ways, just like the space that you create for us that that's the only thing I want to shout out is Jenna's amazing. If you have the chance to train with her, you should totally do that. Um, because it's really just the most unique, supportive, productive growth experience that I've had, not just in my fitness, but in my person. Um, oh, because that's, that's of like how- the nicest testimonial I've ever heard. <laughs> no, but it's all true. Like it really just is just the, the way, and also the way that you handle our concerns and our frustrations and you let us get curious and you, when there's never a place where we feel, or at least I feel like I can't say something. Like, I know there's never going to be a point where my thoughts or feelings aren't at least considered. Yeah. I and like to think you know, that as I women, try to do that. So often we are afraid to do that because, you know, you, you do live your life and that fear of being shut down or, you know, having experienced that you're more hesitant to do that. But I just think that this, you know, in addition to your podcast and your training program, like you've just created such a great space that I really want to see grow because so many people can benefit from it. Oh, thank you. And if anybody is not sure what Jess is talking about, my group program is called tough love strength club, which, um, you've been a part of now for what, like a year and a half or so it's been, it's yeah. been a little, it's been a little bit. It's been really awesome to, to watch your journey and to, to have you in community too, because the beautiful thing about this is like, and this is why truly for, for everybody that's listening context wise, this whole podcast episode started from a conversation that Jess and I were having on a group coaching call and like literally tough love strength club members. And all of my clients really are wise as fuck. And I was just like, you have something to add here. Like I have the podcast and the platform and I can talk about my ideas there, but like you have value to bring. And I really think that you all do and that, and that we all do if we have that space where we feel like we can say what we've all been thinking, but have maybe been too afraid to say. Well, thank you for that. That actually means a lot. I really enjoy this program and you and getting to know everybody. And that's just been, it's, I mean, I, I can't say any more than I've said about it. Well, I probably could, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, you know, I'm looking forward to the rest of this journey. Let's say that. Yes. I wish I could hug you through the screen right now, but, um, same, same. Okay. 
air hugs. All right. Well, thanks so much for being here, Jess, and not just for being on the podcast, but for being a part of the community. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you for having me and you too. All right. Bye. That was such a great conversation with Jess. I always, always appreciate being able to connect with my clients in this way. And to be honest, I am super grateful that she was willing to come on and share this, but also that she's been getting so much out of working in my program and that it has helped her to kind of disconnect from these diet culture sort of training methods that are leaving many of us feel left out and like we are getting too old to do things. So that being said, If you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you've probably heard me mention my online group coaching program, Tough Love Strength Club. I open this program for enrollment about twice a year, and we're currently gearing up for our fall 2022 cohort. If you want to learn more about that program and how we can work together, there will be a link in the show notes. You can check that out. Get yourself on the wait list for first dibs on enrollments and a discount. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and we will talk soon. Thanks again for tuning into Tough Cookie Talks. I'm so glad you're here. If you want to learn more about me and how we can work together, visit my website, itsjennaj.com or follow and tag me on Instagram at itsjennaj. I would love to hear from you. If you liked this episode and want to hear more, make sure that you click subscribe and follow along so that you don't miss a single show. Then take a moment and leave me a five-star rating and review so we can help this podcast and this message reach even more people. Have a great week and we'll talk soon.